Continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 110, Continuously Improving the Feedback Cycle with Carol Stizzer. As lean leaders, we talk about feedback a lot. We know that feedback is important, and if you're like me, you crave it so that we can improve. But let's face it, it's not always effective or helpful, and it's hard to give, and sometimes it's hard to receive. Carol Stizzer has researched the topic of feedback, and she says there's a lot we can improve. She joined me at the Edges of Lean to share her insights. Carol Stizzer, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you. It's so nice to have you here today. And I think what we're going to talk about is going to be very pertinent and interesting to those of us who are doing continuous improvement um, as we need to uh, interact with people and uh, give and receive feedback. And, and we need to you know think about how we, we might do that, all the different ways to do that. Now you have a lot to share with us regarding that. But first, Carol, can you tell us about Carol? Sure. Um, so my career started as a military spouse, moving around often. So I got to explore with different forms of work. And now they all fall underneath the umbrella of HR. So I'm, I like to joke that I'm a recovering HR professional. Um, one of the things that it provided me with was understanding the difference between military and corporate leadership, what they do differently, what their missions are, um, and how they kind of go about following them through differently. But as an HR professional, I got to sit back, well, not sit back, kind of lean in more than not to help mid-level and upper leaders understand how to communicate and connect with their people more. Um, I liked the keeping the human in human resource activities that I did. And one of those things involves what we're going to talk about today. Um, we now live in Colorado which we absolutely adore. And I love hiking and skiing and I love everything about um, the mountain area, especially the people who love to be outside too. Um, my kids are diversely um, spread out. One of them is near you in Philly and one is in the mountains of, of Breckenridge here. And then we have felt, you know, family all over the world, like mo many people who have been remote and getting to move. So Carl, what are you doing today? Today, um, after I get to spend time with you, I'm reorganizing some priorities for my team. We're looking at the end of the year and getting ready for the beginning of the year and um, taking my dog out. <laughs> it's beautiful yeah. here as well. Um, but really just kind of understanding and reflecting on what we're going to accomplish the rest of the year, which includes us giving and receiving feedback of what's working, what's not. So I'm, I'm, I'm in it with everybody when we talk about this topic. One of the things that I experienced in corporate life when I was working for a big corporation was this idea that feedback was was like, you know a big thing that you did at the end of the year. And we would get a lot of coaching from HR about, you know, make sure that you were not um, biasing your feedback based on what happened last week. Right, you know, to kind of look at the whole year. But as lead professionals, one of the things that we we love to talk about is this idea of one piece flow, I, you know, continuous flow, and that would include feedback and giving and receiving feedback all the time. 
And I'm so intrigued about what you're saying about communication styles, because I think that as we communicate as a as a leader um, or as a even as a team member with another team member, this this has to be something about the way that we communicate um, that impacts our ability to to provide that feedback in or receive feedback, right? In more in a continuous flow. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that, Carol. Well, let's just first address the elephant in the room. The word feedback triggers people oh. to just go running in a corner because if it were a compliment, say, I have a compliment for you. Whenever we have feedback, it's kind of masking criticism or something to fix. And it insinuates that you're either broken, need fixing, or you've done something wrong. And it's really not designed to be negative all the time. People say, oh, you need to receive information about how you're doing. But the moment we call it feedback, it feels like we're just opening up a can of criticism. And so I think there is, and there's and the research on this is in predominantly in the top five conversations that people kind of will say is a conflict conversation at work is one about feedback. So when you, when someone comes in, like I have some feedback for you, your first inclination is like, cool, I'm excited. No, like, oh crap. You know, what, what am I did I do wrong? now? Right. Yeah. And so come up with another word. Nah, finally, sure. We could call it, hey, let's have a moment of debrief, which is a common term when you're trying to see what went right, see where you're going to grow next, see what challenges showed up which is probably more in line with the type of information people really want, but they don't go around going, hey, can we have a debrief about the meeting? Because it's normally left for the end of a project. It's given this mantle, just like feedback is given this place in time as if you have to honor and allocate this big feedback session when you do your performance reviews. So let's just then now bust some myths. We're trying to get away from the annual anything because it doesn't provide the results it used to. It used to be a formality so that you could get a promotion, you could get a pay raise, you could you know, share in the company profits, which were allocated after bookkeeping. Now, it's not always that way. It's not always attached to money. And when it is, it seems a very false or thin or shallow. And so, this understanding of how our brains work came out of more research out of Harvard. Um, I, in one of my last HR roles, I was asked to train people on how to give better feedback more often. So sat down to the research and Harvard comes along and says, you know what, teaching people how to give good feedback fails 95% of the time. And you're like, oh. Wow, wow. Wow, okay. And they said, so how do we flip this on its and how do we still go about making feedback not one of the top five conversations of conflict at work and make it more appealing and getting you what you want and after following their chain of research they said if we could teach people how to ask for the information they wanted when they needed it, when they could use it, 
they automatically knew how to give better feedback when the opportunity came along to support somebody's growth. I And that was where their research kind of ended. It was like, here's what we know, but it didn't tell you how to go about asking for feedback. It didn't tell what type of conversation was gonna be most helpful. So I kind of continued my research along the lines of like, okay, how do we step into short, sweet, professional, respectful, quick conversations and still get the information we need? And that's when I turned to what the brain really wants. And this is where additional research in neuroscience popped up because it says our brains are continually scanning the universe for two things, 24 seven, 365. What am I doing right? Where do I fit? Where am I respected? You know, where's a happy place? And where can I grow next? And social media has captured this science so brilliantly. If you think about it, you scroll for what you like, who you like, you want to check on it, and then you see something curious and you go, cool, I want to learn that. When you're tired of learning it, or when you've done learning it, you'll get to meet more people who learn that. And you're back to, ooh, who are the other people? It's that going. Now, one thing that social media is now being criticized for is that negativity that scoops in there. And our brains don't have a place that is a home for negativity. It's, it just doesn't know what to do with it, which is why feedback also gets a bad rap. When you get some bad news, your brain is still trying to figure out, well, what did I do right in spite of this? And where does that mean I can grow? And what we're finding is unless you know to ask for those two things, you don't know how to unpack the information you're given if it's perceived as negative. So I sat back and go, okay, I need to know what I'm doing right and where to grow next. What if I just asked for that? And so when we started looking at the most interesting and effective ways to make a request, that's where I came up with understanding, okay, let's help people understand how to be clear and efficient. And again, this is where lean people are going to go, I love efficiency, please tell me. Is if you want to know anything, think about when that context is that you're referencing and be really clear. Like I'd like to talk about yesterday's meeting, that clarity. Pick a time, give the context of what you're referencing because that helps the other person hear you with success. And, and, and here's why that's important. Because if I say, hey, Beth, well, wait till you hear this. Giving you any moment in time to stop thinking what you're thinking to join me. Hmm. So you're, you're asking, when you're asking for the feedback in the way, you are sort of asking that person to join you in that place, that time uh, where, right. you know, whatever happened, happened so that you, you know that they're with you, that they're not, right. they're not thinking, like you said, thinking about what they're thinking and their brains are always chugging along. Right. Exactly. Um, so if I were to say, Hey Beth, yesterday um, on the podcast, about halfway through, we were talking about that. You can be even that specific, but just give grace to the conversation you want to have. And so people who are working on projects, who are working with drawings and engineers and all different things, you need to be specific 
because your next question is going to have one focus and say, tell me what is going really right right now on that. And you need them to be in the same place with you to be able to answer that or be able to go, you know, I got to think about that. Can I get back with you? Absolutely. Right. It's prefacing. And even if the conversation stops right there and you know they're going to get back with you, that's fine. You've prefaced it. You've made an ask. What's going really right on that drawing that I know not to screw up when we make the other changes? We forget to ask that question so often when we're in the middle of configuring anything. But let's say the person goes, I know exactly what it, I love about this. This, this, and this. Okay. If I were to do that here, how would you recognize that? Now, that third thing is, can you tell me from your perspective and viewpoint how you're going to recognize what we do next or how do you experience that? It's... When you say recognize, you're not you're not meaning recognize as, as in you're going to give me a bonus or... You know, no, 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 no. Pizza coupon or something. You're saying, how, how will you see that I am doing this thing? How will, right. how are you, what, 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 what are you looking you for? Yeah. Yeah. Because you need to now see life through the other person's eyes. So if I were to ask, um, let's say if I go back in time to a boss and say, Hey, you know, we just got done doing this big event. Um, what's one thing that you really, really are proud of in that event? Right. I can ask that. And he goes, Oh my God. Well, can you share with me how you experienced that from your position, from your perspective? That's what we're going after. How do you see life when we're talking about this thing? And what happens there in that moment is you're asking the person to share with you their perspective, which forms a connection that you really care and want to know how what you're talking about affects them. And it's a really interesting nuance to continuing a lot of questions. We're not used to that. We're used to, let's say you're used to setting the context and asking a question. You get the answer, you leave. And they go, ah, but you're missing the best part. You need to stop and say, share with me how you see things in regards to this. Could be my performance, could be the team's performance, could be what's going on. So it's context, ask for one thing, ask from their perspective. And then you can actually take it a little bit further, like, what would you like to see next? What's the first step into getting this right for you? Um, how will you recognize this the next time we're in the team meeting? You ask what and how questions, because that moves the conversation along to a richer, deeper place. One of the things that is kind of tripping my brain right now, Carol, is a conversation that that we have a lot in the lean world, is which is around metrics. So uh, we often get asked, or teams often get asked, well, what are the metrics that you're going to use on this on this project? And what um, executives often want is the outcome metric, right? I, I want to know that we're going to sell X more units, or I want to know that we're going to save X amount of money, right? Um, but they don't have any insight into sort of the in-process metrics, the metrics that would tell you we, we are on the path to getting the outcome that you're looking for, right? 
and if they don't have that and we're unable to provide those to them, then we get micromanagement where the executive will come in and say, I don't know what's going on. I'm feeling uncomfortable. You know, let's pull up the carrots and see how they're growing, right? Which can be very disruptive to an individual or a team. But I think if I understand correctly what you're saying in these little small feedback conversations, what you're really asking them is, how would how would how would you how do you perceive that in process metric the way that we are achieving the outcome that we're all looking for, um, but asking for it in their language and I think that's really powerful because when we as lean people continuous improvement people go in and we start talking about metrics sometimes it's like way over the head you know it doesn't make sense to the person that we're that we're speaking with. But um, but uh, but you're talking about this as you're saying both with individuals and with a team. I think that's so. That's let's really let's helpful. play that. Let's play that on both sides of the mirror. So you get to talk to an executive, and you can say, "Let's talk about the outcomes, what we're here to do, what you want to see." You know, set the context. What is the main goal in this project, and how will it? And you know, you've got the context. What is the main goal in this project? You can start there or you can get more specific. How will you recognize that we're on the right path? Tell me, watch, walk me through what you see, what you need to see. To and, know that we're on the right path, yeah. And then you, the what and how question is like, what's the first thing you want to see us do next for you? How do you want us to present this to you the next meeting, right? Those what and how questions then give you continuous more information. So that's when you ask. Now, let's say you need to go in and provide. Say, hey, I'm here to provide an update on this. You said the one thing you want to do is this. This is great. Here's what we're doing from our side to get there. So you're giving your perspective. And here's what we're planning to deliver next. Here's how you will receive it. Here's how you'll, you, we're hoping you recognize it. Right. So you can ask in the same framework that you offer. But so and, and I've tried and to, offering. Yeah. right. Yeah. And I've tried to keep it on less than a hand because sometimes <laughs> I need little triggers like context, context, context. And it doesn't have to be in this order. I call it a framework. You can say, hey, what is the main goal of this one project? You can flip the context around somewhere in there, but you've got to set the other person up for success to know specifically what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, we've all gone into a room and like, hey, nice to see you great meeting yesterday. What'd you like best? And they're going to go the refreshments when you really wanted to know what'd you like best about the data. And you forgot to ask that. Right. So, right. It's like, leave. it's for, for those of you who are listening rather than watching Carol's actually holding up her hand and counting off on her fingers, these factors. So, so uh, don't be afraid to use your fingers, but it's exactly, I, I have that experience every time I ask my grandchildren, how was school today? And they say, fine. And then I say, well, um, so, um, you know, well, tell me specifically something that was good. And they go, oh, what well, recess was great. <laughs> you know, so. so you, people will generalize. Yeah their answers because they like to play it safe uh -huh. and they don't know what you want to hear and they don't want to say something that's going to trigger an unexpected reaction so when it comes to and grandchildren are great to practice on especially <laughs> kids and teenagers you can say hey i see you're home from school today what was the funniest thing that happened to you be specific with your ask what was the one thing that made you laugh out loud to laugh out loud today what was your favorite food at lunchtime when you were at recess, 
What was the funniest thing you saw somebody do that you want to do too? Get specific in your asks so that you can actually get specific into an engaging conversation that you, cause you've, when you get specific, when you provide that context, you're giving them a safe space. They know where to put the information. So we have to set up our coworkers, our peers, our supervisors in the same way. I'd like to talk about yesterday's meetings. Specifically, I'd like to talk about the data. What part of that data helps you the most or what part of that data was just so wrong for you that we need to look at it together, right? Provide The context and the questions focus provides the safe space for the conversation to go rich and deep quickly. And I think that's important when you're working in lean and efficient and process improvement environments all the time. We forget how to set up the safe space for a quick, good conversation. And this has propelled me to kind of be the preacher on the stone, like, don't forget to set up the conversation correctly and get focused on your question. That And that's really interesting, Carol, because we talk a lot about the leaders creating a safe space. And what you're talking about is the team or the team member creating a safe space for the leader. And I think we sometimes forget that leaders are human too, mm-hmm. right? right and and um, leaders may have as much trepidation about perhaps giving feedback um, and being concerned you know about a reaction or or not being sure whether the feedback will have the result that they want I love what you're saying you know let's let's recognize that that everyone here is a human being um, who needs that respect and it is and from clarity and here's here's a, a fun fact to kind of keep under everybody's bonnet um, is when the additional research on leadership, and this could be self-leadership, your own, because so many of us work remote, you have to go back to self-leadership as well as your leadership. Mm-hmm. One of the key behaviors that quadruples the results of your information and ability to act is asking for information that helps you move forward, which is asking for feedback, helpful information. And I'll get more specific. There are 30 behaviors that has been found to be key leadership behaviors that really accelerate team engagement, results, high performance. And when they polled these 25,000 different leaders, Asking how their performance affected everybody else's performance, asking for that feedback was the last behavior they would implement because we've got such outdated mythological thinking about feedback. And they're so repelled by it going south that they don't step into making it positive. But this one behavior, asking for feedback on performance, when put into use, literally times their efficiency, their ability to achieve the results they want faster and to do better and and better work with their teams. So if we take that idea, it's okay for anybody at any level to go to anyone they work with, anybody who receives their work, anybody who's asking for their work and ask, hey, how is my performance 
affecting your performance? Give me some insights. I'd like to understand more about my job and how my performance affects yours. So I'd like to know specifically has my performance or the things I give you, the things I provide you affect what you do. Can you share with me a day in your life when this, that, so you can give me an example, right? So that type of conversation can be quick. It can be done in passing. It can, hey, do you got three minutes? It can go into a really good, rich conversation. And that is, again, it's kind of flipping around what we expect from the feedback cycle, right? Because because we might sometimes, in, in sort of the annual feedback or you know the the six month feedback loop, we might have expected a leader to say to us or, or us as a leader to say to somebody, you know, when you, when you do this thing, it really makes a big difference because, or when you do this thing, it really, it's really, you know, it's harmful because, and we go on for another, you know, we, we've been doing that for six months. Right. Um, or we might not hear it at all because it's, because the feedback has been about, you know, did you achieve your personal goals and you don't see how those goals have connected to other people but that is such a wonderful question for connecting people's work to the work of the leader and the work of the organization right that's um and people look for that connection don't they carol people want to know that what they are doing actually is helping to move things forward so they can be part of something larger than themselves and a lot of people struggle because they don't understand how their work impacts well, they like to sit back in ambiguity and fret and worry. And this is why anxiety is becoming an inc increase in the workplace, especially in the hybrid situations we're in. When you're left isolated in your own home with your own computer and you don't feel as if you have permission or understand how to ask, hey, how am I doing? Then you will self-degrade your performance mm. because we have a tendency to be, well, how can I do it better? How can I? We fret. When, if you just go, hey, do you got a couple, you know, you can do it in a chat. Hey, on, after this meeting, you got a couple minutes, I just got a question for you. Could be someone associated with your work that you're reporting to or that they're giving work to you. Hey, when you get this work to me by the deadline, oh, that's so great because then I have time to do this. But when you come in a day late, then I'm left short. How do we correct this? How do I help you meet that deadline? Because this is how it's affecting me. You can have these type of conversations if you kind of understand this framework. Make sure it's context specific. You keep it focused on one thing, not, oh, well, when you one do this thing. and then one thing at a time, because our brains only have the capacity to unpack and honor one thing well. And the moment it goes to multiples, you average out the value of everything offered and you miss that opportunity to know what's the most significant thing you need to talk about. So when you keep it to one thing, you'll pick the most significant thing you need to talk about, or you'll pick something that's safer to test the waters of the conversation so that you know exactly how to go after the bigger, deeper thing. So if we take these soft, easy, short conversations, context, one thing of focus to ask or offer, let me see it through your eyes or I'll offer you through my eyes and what and how questions to kind of tie it in a bow of what's going to uh -huh. happen next. How will I need to see that next? Whatever that is. 
it is a framework that allows people to kind of efficiently go after or offer things that will connect them with greater trust, predictability, and conversations as they need to work and be successful together. Nobody gets up any one morning going, you know, I just cannot wait to suck today. I'm going to be so bad, <laughs> so bad. It's going to be monumental. I'm going to get an award. No, and it gets up going today is going to be better than yesterday. We'll figure it out. And so we need to take these conversations and go after the information we want. And if you hate the word feedback, don't call it that. I want insights. I want to know what I'm, what's going well. I want to know how to grow next. And there's two words I would love for people to stop saying because they have a tendency to be used in the wrong way. I would love for people to stop using the word improve and replace it with growth. So here's how we're going to improve. It means something got broken. Here's our growth opportunity. Very right, different right. conversation, right? It's very different energy. We can move forward instead of ruminate. The other word is but. Yes, but. Great. But. That's the feedback sandwich, right? <laughs> oh, I hate it. And I said, if that sentence, the whole sentence with and, then you need to not say the first part and go after the second part you're going to say. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Right. And say, here's how it, it makes me feel. Here's what's going on. Don't say, hey, great day, but sucks. Hey, we're all trying to make this good today. Problem here. We have a growth opportunity here. I mean, and some people are going to get tired of hearing the growth idea because we've in, improved as such an uh, ingrained idea. We're always trying to get better. But really, go back to the brain. Our brain wants to know what we're doing right so we can keep it and honor it. We don't throw it out with a, with a bathwater so that we know where to grow next. That's it. Our brain wants what to keep, where to grow. What am I doing right? Where do I grow next? It's just how our brains are fed. So if we include that conversation and our intention to gain information for those two things, you'll see a more engaged workforce and team. I, I think it's so interesting because, you know, we're, we're in continuous improvement. I, I don't know that we're going to throw the word improvement away. You won't. But I, you won't. I, but I, I love the idea of, of, you know, for what the work we do is that we can improve process. We can improve experiences for people, but we're really here to grow people. And, and though, you know, people who are really deeply into, um, you know, the lean philosophy know that it's all, it's all about, uh, you know, helping people achieve their full, you know, potential to, to really, right. you know, to learn as much as they can and, and be as strong as they can and as skilled as, as they can be. So it's not about improving. It, it is about growth. So, right. Um, I'm, and I'm really gonna language is, is sure. what it is. Language is yeah. what it is. Um, but be intentional about how you're using the language you're using for which part if your whole thing is to improve the end result, the experience, so that they can, then you're growing in your efficiency, you're growing in the, the processes, you're growing in how people use them better. And so again, both words work. Um, we just have a tendency to replace improve for growth when we really mean growth. And I said, if you want somebody to grow, say grow. If you're gonna improve uh -huh. the end result, that's fine. 
to get mm-hmm. there, they're going to have to grow in how they use everything you're offering. And I think it's it's interesting when you choose to use the word grow, you'll see the energy difference when people start to buy into, oh, I get to grow in this. Not I have to improve the way I use it means I haven't been using it right. There's an undertone that people are like, ah, oh, change, crap. But if you say grow, they're going to go, oh, change you go after without calling it change. Um, and it's just, again, language find is more important than we give it credit for. And when it's used or respected and, and cr- used to create great space for good conversations, it works. Uh, that makes so much sense to me. I mean, I mean, certainly when, when I think about the word improve when it's directed to a person, I mean, it immediately takes me to, I don't know, seventh grade and being told I needed to improve in math. And what did that mean? I needed to do more homework or I needed to, you know, um, you know pay better attention in class or something. And it was about it was about some deficiency um, in myself. So I think that is kind of hardwired in, in how we understand that particular word. Um, Carol, if you don't mind for a minute, I would just like to talk a little bit about bias in in feedback, and I and and I think very this very specific point, um, which is uh, I think so, um, I think Marcus Buckingham talks about this, is that is that when we are giving feedback and we're and we're saying, you know, talking about let's say potential growth areas, that for many of us our benchmark is ourselves that is you are not like me so i would like you to change to be more like me and i was wondering if you have seen that um as you're working with people on feedback and and how you help people address that well we all uh, think that belonging means more conformity and um i always take people back to if you look at a superhero team there's no Uh redundancy Nobody thinks like anyone else on that team, but they learn how to value what they're offering. We all think differently. Cloning you is not going to help us at all. We need diversity of thought in every team on every project. So yes, our bias is to see through our eyes and interpret through our brain without taking the time to explore how they think. So interesting thing about taking feedback and turning it upside down and letting people ask for what they need and then asking that question, share with me how you see this. We start to see and hear, we start to hear how the other person thinks and we automatically start to value how they think. So asking for feedback negates a bias. So when you give feedback, if it's only one directional, it will always have bias. Mm -hmm. If However, you build in perspective gaining. Hey, I've got some feedback. Let's say we go an old-fashioned conversation. I got some feedback for you on last week's project, right? Here's the one thing I'd like to see you develop more in. Let's instead of continuing on with, you know, direct and command speaking, I'm just gonna it's a one-way conversation. I'm gonna tell you so you leave the room and you've got everything. I think you hear me. No, that next part, that third part is like, when I say that, please share with me what you're thinking. Walk me through when I say I need you to grow here, what that means to you. Listen, a good conversation 
is a give and take. When they say leaders or good teammates um, are really good listeners, it's not like they're eavesdropping. They have to ask good questions to listen to good information. So when you give feedback, even if it's based on the old adage of improvement, you've got to take that next, that third step and say, share with me what you're thinking when I say that I would like to see you grow here. If they're thinking like, well, apparently I've done everything wrong. Well, that's too extreme. Pull them back in like, no, no, no. Let's make sure you hear what you're doing right. Here's why I need you to grow here. Here's my goal in having you grow here is because you're capable of growth here. I don't know if you know you're capable of growth here, but you're not going to know exactly how to give feedback that's going to be acted upon until you hear how the other person is thinking from both sides of the coin. And so to avoid the bias, avoid that tunnel vision of this is how I see it. So this must be how you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is never how it happens and say, when I said that, what did you really hear me say? And it'll be a much better conversation. And it, and it then invites the person to ask the question, you know, your, your, your kind of core question, which is, which is how, how will you recognize that? So, mm-hmm. so you need, I don't know, something simple, like, like, um, you know, say I'd, I'd I'd like to get my um my daily update by four p.m. every day, right? Yeah, right. Make sure make, make sure you ping that to me. Well, you know, <laughs> if somebody if somebody says, well, you know, what I'm hearing you say is is um that I'm you know that I that I'm not fast enough on on, on summarizing the you know the daily update for you, and you know then you then you. Um, but they can, that also gives them the opportunity to say, well, how exactly would that be helpful to you? How, how would you, what would be the best way for me to provide that information to you? Because it's probably not just about, you know, is it timely at four o'clock? I, you know, I'm just making this scenario up, well, but, but, but is it to containing point, the information that you need? Right. And it's, and now it's a two-way conversation. Right. Because it lets, let's pick your instance of, I need to have this by four every day. And then the person who's hearing, well, I would love to provide that by four every day, but I don't get the information I need to interpret it until 3.45 or 3.30. There's a chain, right? So now we can unpack there's a chain of disconnect that doesn't fall to just one person and set them up for failure. How do we set everybody up for success? I'd like to do that. I understand for, uh, if I get the information, if I don't get the information until 3.30, either how can I make this information transition quicker, more efficient? Or were you thinking I got this information at two? Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. it's unpacking, not blaming. Well, you know, and though you're not blaming, well, so and so doesn't it? So no. Were you thinking I got this information earlier and I was sitting on it because I'm not I'm working my butt off, but I don't get it until late. So I get and they go, Oh, well, if you're not getting it until 345, then if I get it by 430, it's good. Right. So now you've got a better conversation. And I think this is what makes gaining the right information so rich is how do you step into a conversation that's going to go in a positive momentum action oriented way, not just a blaming way. And feedback's mm-hmm. gotten a really bad rap because people have used feedback as a masking of criticism and command. I want you to do this, do this, do it only this way and leave my office, right? That's not feedback. That's telling or criticizing. I've got some feedback for you. Well, 
if it weren't used to mass criticism, we'd like it more. So we're trying to really flip the script here and say, go ask for what you want when you can use it and understand how to step into really cool conversations with people so that you set them up for success with context. You keep it really streamlined with one thing as the focus. One thing, right. One thing. Single piece flow, we we would say in lean. Right. Perfect. Single piece flow. Perfect. Get their perspective. When I say that, what are you thinking? How do you see it? How do you see this happening? What or how? What needs to happen next? How do you want us to proceed? Whatever that is. And and we could go on for hours talking about all these, why I came up with this little framework. Um, but if you can kind of just keep it in this safe kind of framework, you can move on with the day, come back on something else. And the quicker you start to experiment with these single focus, quick conversations, context, focus, get their perspective, what and how, next steps, you'll find communication gets tighter, safer, more focused, everything becomes more efficient and leaner, and you're getting things done without people waiting, being ambiguous, thinking it's someone else's fault. I mean, we have the power to lean in and go after information we need. We just haven't been told we can do it or told how to do it. And I think that's the interesting thing is when people come out of college, they're so used to being given permission to do something. And then when the permission is not given, they're assuming they can't. And they go, well, let's just break that mold for you. Yeah. And and they're used to coming out of whatever their academic experience is. It's all about being evaluated and graded. And, and you know, did, did you earn your A today? Um, work's not like that you know we it's not it's not about giving out a's it's it's yeah we do not educate people to be successful in a work environment at all they spend decades in a direct and command grading system and then they come into work and don't know why they're they they don't know how to ask for did i get an a today is that am i on the right track we don't have a syllabus we huh and as we've got people trying to think teach critical thinking in college they're still pleasing an instructor mm-hmm. and that's the closest they get to a boss but they don't first, know how to talk like a coworker to a boss right first day of class you get the list of yeah the syllabus this is this is what you do this is when the tests are these are when the assignments are due um yeah everything you know it's not it's not like being an environment right. where there's so much change all the time. You're working with different people. You're in a you're in a process where things arrive not when you expect them. Yeah, it's it's so different. It yeah. is. Carol, I know people are going to want to learn more about this. Can you tell us where we could find out more and how to how to get in contact with you? Sure. Well, I actually. I uh, couldn't find as much research as I went on this. So I wrote a book called The Ask Framework on Amazon. Um, but I have a website that I love to to inter- engage with people on and on LinkedIn. So please, first choice, go to LinkedIn. It's Carol with an E, Stizza that looks like pizza, but it's not. Um, so <laughs> please go look and connect on LinkedIn. Um, I offer a lot of content there. My website is relevant-insight.com. Mainly because I believe, yep, I believe everybody is trying to be relevant in everything they do and with those they care about. And um, 
I look forward to it. I've got newsletters. People can sign up for that on my website and other blogs and, and content. But this is a really interesting behavior that if we could um, put more asking in these conversations in work, people would really get a lot more out of their day. And it's not just for work, actually. It's true. It's, for anything, it's not. Right. Anything you could, you could use it at home. You can use it in volunteer work. There's lots of places. Uh, where, where this could this could be used. Hey, Cal, what would be your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Mm. I give you permission to go into work and get curious about how what you do affects everybody's everybody else's success, and ask those questions. Just get to know people through that question, and you will learn more than you could ever learn on a day of onboarding. Just assume that's part of your onboarding initiative. I give you permission to go learn and have fun doing it. Oh, that's great. That's great. Great advice. Yeah. Carol Stizza, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of lean. I love it. This is a, a having worked with engineers and many people in your industry. I, I love what you do and I love the people in it. Thanks. Thanks so much. You got it. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Carol Stizza for being my guest at the Edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? We would love to hear from you. You could find Carol at relevant-insight.com or on LinkedIn, and you can check out a complimentary chapter of her upcoming book right there on her website. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com, where you'll find lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.